Good morning, Mill City. Good to be together. Uh, for anybody who maybe is brand new, my name's Aaron Stern, lead pastor here. I want to welcome everybody joining us online. Uh, thanks for being with us digitally. And um, as we get started and before we jump into the message, got a couple of updates for you. First of all, uh, regarding Generosity Sunday, which happened in December throughout January, we've been uh, kind of letting you know where some of that money went. Um, if anybody missed the total, $122,124.67 was given. Uh, so well done. And we give all of that away. Uh, the first week we talked about that going towards helping refugees settle here in northern Colorado. We come alongside uh, families that have been many times uh, in refugee camps for months, if not years, waiting for and going through the legal process to make their way into the United States, and they end up in northern Colorado. And so we help financially come alongside them, as well as have a couple of teams for these different families uh, to support them, both in encouragement, uh, very practical ways, emotional support uh, with their kids, and so uh, we talked about that. We'll keep you updated throughout the year as that is an ongoing process. And then last week we talked about uh, the support we gave to Lincoln Middle School and the teachers and faculty and uh, students there as we do every year and have done for the last decade. And then uh, today I wanted to let you know that we're partnering with one of our mission partners in Tanzania. Uh, they are working with the Maasai people in the Ngorigora area of Tanzania and the Maasai people, or a portion of them, are being relocated because of some uh, re <coughs> Excuse me. Have a drink. Redrawing of some lines of like a game preserve, so they are being uh, forcibly moved. So the organization we're working with is helping them in the re relocation, as well as uh, helping educate and bring about uh, sustainable living, uh, ways to cultivate the land in the new space, and things like that. So I will keep you updated on that project as well. But uh, through your giving, we gave $15,000 to that particular project. And so well done, Mill City. I just can't uh, thank you enough uh, for your generosity and encourage you to continue in your generosity uh, because you don't only give to Mill City, you also give through Mill City uh, to bring about help and uh, um, support in the lives of people all around the world. So um, today we're finishing a series uh, called Practice Prayer. And this is a series that kind of is a, in a bunch of series that start with practice and then uh, and we've done practice community, practice generosity, practice scripture, practice slowing, and this one practice prayer. Uh, we're concluding today. Uh, before we jump into uh, the talk for today, I want to highlight uh, to you something we do at the end of each of these practice series, and that is to provide some resources. Uh, there's a blog uh, associated with each one of these practices. The practice prayer blog is up. Uh, it provides some uh, books as well as some video stuff, uh, some helpful resources to continue to engage in prayer, as well as in each of them have been a podcast conversation. This one was a podcast conversation with Pastor Rich Velotis, uh, one of our overseers, the pastor of New Life Fellowship in Queens, New York. I encourage you to watch or listen to that. 
And, um, and so today, as we land this series, uh, Katie Peters and I are going to have a little uh, conversation. I like to think of this as a convo teach, uh, because it's a conversation, but in it, uh, there's teaching points and there's things to draw out of it that um, I believe are going to be helpful uh, no matter where you are in life and mm-hmm. what your life with God might look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Mark Comer, he wrote the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, and he in that book says that if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Mm-hmm. As a follower of Jesus, one of our goals, if not our primary goal, is to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. And so the big question is how? How does that happen? I wish that we could, be, we could think ourselves into transformation. Now, our mind matters, but it is, it is, it, there's more to it. Uh, I would love it if I could just want to be more patient and be more patient. My wife wishes that too. Mm. But there's more to it. And so it's important then that we figure out what does it look like to help the integration process? From wanting to or believing that reality to it actually becoming a reality in the way in which we live. And so these practices are part of that integration process. And it's part of the lifestyle of Jesus. We're looking at the lifestyle of Jesus and seeing that he prayed, Mm -hmm. that he spent time in an evening or in the mornings or sometimes all night or and in the stress of things and in the Mm -hmm. wrestling of things. And Jesus steps away and spends time with God, with mm-hmm. His Father. And so we want to look at His lifestyle and do what He did. And so uh, we're, we've been looking at what does that look like and how does that work. But there's also elements of it of like, okay, He lived in the first century in the Middle East. We live in the 20, uh, 23rd century in the West, and it's different. Jesus didn't have a mortgage. Uh, you know, so what does that look like? And, mm-hmm. and so, so today, hopefully, and throughout this series, hopefully we can bring it down into the, a very practical place and, and, and maybe touch on some different ways in which that might look. So, so, so Katie, excited about this time together. Yeah, and, me too. Um, this is not scripted, so each, each gathering has looked different. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but maybe if you would, just start off a little bit. First of all, Katie and her husband, Seth, have been a part of Mill City now for nine years. Mm. Uh, they have four amazing little kids, mm. ages two to 11. eleven. So Katie's life is pretty calm. It's totally calm. Very and well ordered, ordered and peaceful. And peaceful. And so, so how would you describe uh, your life with God in relationship to prayer? Um, mm. How would you characterize that for you right now? I, I, I think it's worth starting. Thank you for asking me. Uh, I love that we use the word practice because practice is something I can do. Mm. I can practice something. And I think when we, I've been praying for a long time, but no matter how long you've been praying, when it comes to prayer, we're all beginners. So if you feel like a beginner in the room praying, you're not alone. You're among a whole bunch of other beginners. That's right. So a prayer for me, a, a few ways that I think of it, but the first way I think I experience prayer as connection, just this connection of, you know, I, I am heard, I hear, I'm corrected kindly, I'm encouraged, I'm comforted, 
I receive. And, and the thing that's kind of been really fun through the years is that that has grown more consistent, the consistency of the connection. You know when you're on the phone with someone and the call drops out? It, there's never a dropout. There's this consistency of connection. I experience prayer that way. And, and I think it, it's both quiet times. We call it quiet time. If you're a Jesus follower around the room, you can, you've heard the term quiet time, which sometimes isn't quiet at all. So I experience God in those separate times when I'm closing the door and also in what I like to call FaceTime. Mm-hmm. You know when you FaceTime someone, it's not like Zoom where you can choose the background. <laughs> When you FaceTime someone, they like see the background of your life and what is going on around you. So in the unlikely event that there's a whole bunch of laundry around (laughs) or dishes or, you know, when someone, I experience Jesus seeing me in real time, Mm. FaceTime, where I encounter him and he encounters me just as I am with no filters, right where I'm at and and in the busyness, in the lack of privacy or peace or stressfulness of the day, when I FaceTime with Jesus, it's like I can have the opportunity. I like how C.S. Lewis says it. He's like, he says, you get to encounter the divine life in Jesus under human conditions. Mm. That's what happens to me in FaceTime. Mm. Um, just the consistency of that connection has grown over time for me. I love that, uh, that like, just in the, in the normalness mm. and the chaos Raw. or the stress or mm-hmm. the rawness of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me out of Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus' disciples ask him, teach us to pray, and then he gives them the Lord's Prayer, and in that he says, mm. our Father in heaven. And, and oftentimes in our Western imagination, uh, we think heaven far off, mm. you know, way out there. Mm-hmm. But in the first century, to a Jewish mind, they, they didn't think of the heaven as, as heaven is way out there. Actually, they thought of heaven as like another dimension that's like right here. Mm-hmm. So it's not heaven out there or far away. So I need to get, I need to yell really loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I need to get in a distracted mm-hmm. place to make sure that I really focus my energy to get it that far. Mm-hmm. But like that heaven is all around us. Mm-hmm. Like heaven is above and beside and around, like we are in the heavens as we are on the earth right now. Mm-hmm. And so, so to them, when he says, our Father in heaven, he's saying, our Father who is near and around us. Mm-hmm. So I love that metaphor and the practicality mm-hmm. of it that brings uh, you into the like, he's right here, mm-hmm. Some, in the middle of it all. I, I Sometimes that whole experience of encountering Jesus right here Sometimes when I'm worshiping or I'm praying, I find my posture like this, you know, like my arms up, my face up. And I love that posture. And I found myself more recently bringing my head sort of down and realizing that Jesus is right here. Mm. Like not somewhere else up where I need to sort of reach, but he's right here. Mm. Um, I also experience Jesus and prayer in the contention Prayer as a place of contention. You know, when the wrestle is on and life just brings me to my knees. And I am finding that Jesus is waiting for me there. He waits for us in that place of contention. Not just so he can watch us wrestle, 
but so that he can share in the wrestling and the carrying with us. It's kind of like, um, I, and, and that place of contention where it's either about a relationship or our employment or my husband's travel schedule or um, a health situation that we're facing, that place of contention is a place of movement and progress where I and things do change. I kind of think of it like um, this example of if I was going from Denver to San Francisco, you know, you can map it on your phone and you can walk there, (laughs) you know, you can walk or you can take a bus, take a car or you can get on an airplane and prayer for me, prayer is the vehicle that moves me into healing, into places of hope from despair or insecurity. There is movement that happens and progress that happens every time. I was talking to someone yesterday who had a cancer diagnosis last year and has been in just a wrestling and it's wreaked havoc in their family and trauma. And the, her, the partner was like not willing to engage in a counseling setting because it was just too confronting. And she said, finally, I just had to let it go and just let go and stop wrestling with my husband and just wrestle with God mm-hmm. about it. And I stopped mentioning it. And at our anniversary dinner, my husband said, you know, I feel like I should probably get some counseling. She was like, what? But not, <laughs> you know, she couldn't believe the movement that had happened when she wrestled in prayer. I love as you mentioned that, I think of Ephesians 6, which the Apostle Paul writes saying that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And, and so often, you know, whether it's a, a spouse dynamic or it's mm-hmm. a, a sibling or a parent or, or a best friend, uh, sometimes we, you know, in that case, you, the story you just described where it's I'm going to stop wrestling with them, mm-hmm. and I'm going to wrestle with God and against principalities and powers mm-hmm. and, and evil in the spiritual realm, mm. and which creates movement then in the physical realm. Mm. Uh, I think it's just such a good reminder for us. Um, I like to call it winning the war in the spiritual, because mm. sometimes we try to win the war in the practical before winning the war in the spiritual, and which means going to God, mm. wrestling it and bringing it before him mm-hmm. in such a way that sometimes, sometimes it doesn't always mean that the circumstance changes, mm. but, but sometimes maybe that means we change and we're able to like yes. handle it with an element of peace mm-hmm. or be non-anxious about it mm-hmm. every time the subject comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, my, my, when I save my most... Uh, venomous or obnoxious or rude or judgmental thoughts for Jesus, everything else goes better. Mm. I, Seth and I, um, we, had, we were having this conflict and I, I got so frustrated. I just said, excuse me. I like went into my garage and I was so upset and I just said it, everything to Jesus that I wished and kind of wanted to say to him. <laughs> and I just said it all without a filter. You know, you don't need to be unrude with Jesus. You can just say it. And then I went back inside and he was like, were you just on the phone? I was like, oh, baby, <laughs> those were only for Jesus. <laughs> that was not a phone call. And then I was, I had moved. 
And I was able to connect instead of having a conflict because I had had the conflict with Jesus. So good. Okay, you've, you mentioned your garage. Yes. You've mentioned like FaceTime and laundry. Yeah. One of the things we haven't talked about in these last couple of weeks has been place. Mm. Um, we talk about place a little bit, mm -hmm. like a, a place of prayer. Yeah, um, there's, there's no substitute for those, the place when I close my door with Jesus in my room. But also, I find that my kitchen sink is this place for me. I have countless memories of Jesus meeting me at my kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. Because so much, I'm, I'm able to just process the things that are going on, and, and my hands are deep in it, just like my soul feels, you know. And, uh, and it's a mundane place. It's a really ordinary, it's not spectacular, but it has become a deeply personal and a holy place where I know when I go to my sink, I now expect us to pick up a conversation mm. and him to, to speak to me. I couldn't even tell you. I wouldn't tell you the ways that he has met me at my kitchen sink. It's been so deeply personal and profound and... And he was waiting for me there. So I don't know what that place is for you. Maybe it's in the car on the way to work or at the office or, you know, um, but that ordinary place, the familiar place where you, the repetitive place where you go all the time. And if you go and open these eyes, he's waiting for you there. I love that because it, it, it brings the holy into the mundane. Mm. Rather than thinking like, Oh, church is this holy mm. place. It is. This is a holy, thin space. We pray mm. for a thin space, for, you know, it, it, thin mm. space for anybody who's unfamiliar with that term, like a thin space between heaven and earth. Like you feel the nearness or yeah. you know, the closeness or the words of God. But if we think that, that thin spaces are only what we would deem as holy places, mm -hmm. then we miss out on how I believe Christianity following Jesus mm. is supposed to mm. work and that is like at your kitchen sink or in your mm -hmm. truck on a construction site or, or on, as, you're, as you're in the boardroom, mm. whatever your job might be. Mm -hmm. and, and we miss out on the, on the dailiness of it, the, the normalness of it mm -hmm. as opposed to... So it, and, and so actually something that's been... It was an issue in the first century and I think it still becomes an issue today is this like separation of sacred and secular. Mm -hmm like this, this normal from holy. Mm. And, 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 and if we look at the life of Jesus, the vast majority of his interactions and the things that are recorded in the Gospels were not in holy places. Mm. They, were, they weren't in the synagogue. They were, they were and sometimes they might have been well, in a temple, yeah. but they were in homes and they were on roads mm -hmm. and they were, they were hanging out in places that sometimes were actually deemed as unholy. Mm. And, and so I love the way that you're like talking about the, it's part of the normal way of life, which mm -hmm. is what following Jesus is about, mm -hmm. is that he's in everything and mm -hmm. he redeems it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of my, one of my, you know, 21 days for anyone who has been a part of our house for a few years, the 21 day journey, um, 
I enter it and think, okay, what, what is Jesus going to say? And that was part of my 21 days, mm. is just an experience of intimacy and a growing intimacy with Jesus. And I wonder, I wonder for you what intimacy mm. looks like and what maybe some practical ways. Mm-hmm. I think as a man too, you know, intimacy with Jesus, when I think about that, and even though, you know, God, we see the, you know, he but also, you know, experience the nurturing way of the Spirit. But I wonder, as a, as a man, yeah. when you think about intimacy with Jesus, what I mean, it's interesting you even use the word like. intimacy, which is a good word, but it's not a very manly word. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know. I want to differ with that, like stereotype. <laughs> sorry. I know. But I'm sorry. I want to let you go, but, too. But, you know, like, so I think, like, closeness, intimacy, I mean, it's, it's fine. But I just think sometimes words do trip us up, right? Yeah, sure. So one of the ways that I like to actually... Jossie and I teach this to our boys. Um, I think our couple are in here. I'm not going to embarrass you, but um, but we have two boys in college and two boys in high school. And and for the longest time, we were they were you know girls were annoying, and so we were trying to teach them to be nice <laughs> to them. Now we're trying to teach them to be less nice. <laughs> and 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 when that that switch happens, where they're like. Oh, <laughs> uh, they, you know, we're, we're I, I, and, they, and sometimes they're just like, oh, well, you're just cultivating something. And I and have said, okay, intimacy or closeness is cultivated mm-hmm. through time, through exclusivity, and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily know that or think about that as intentionally, but like, okay, so you're spending a decent amount of time with her, either in person or online, you're, um, you're exclusive, like you're not doing this with either a group or others, mm-hmm. and then also you're being vulnerable. You are cultivating intimacy here. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, in this particular season, let's say, and you're not in, this is a time to, to cultivate breadth of friendship, not spe- specificity of, mm-hmm. of of relationship in this way. So there is a time for that, and we'll keep talking about that. But mm. helpful to kind of clarify, as mm, we do that, um, I think, okay, so if that's what intimacy or closeness is cultivated by, I think we can evaluate that based on our time and relationship with God. Mm. So, so you might, maybe there's times, I think there are times when we do feel dry or we feel like less close, even though He's as near as our breath. Mm. But it's helpful then to say like, okay, is my time low? Mm. Is, is exclusivity low? So, so I love the mm-hmm. like in the midst of life and people around and mm-hmm. all that. But there is also a place for like, yeah. this is you and me. Mm-hmm. This is, I, I, I have a chair. You have the sink, I have a chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's, the, the scripture uses the, the, the phrase the secret place. And, and it's, it doesn't mean that it has to be a secret, like nobody can know about it. Like, but it's more like it's a special place. You know, maybe if you, if you have a particular place, you like to hang out with a close friend or it's, or your spouse or, you know, there's a, it's a secret special place for you. Like create that, find that. And sometimes it, it is in the ordinary, like cultivate that aspect and also Mm -hmm. cultivate a, well, when I do have space, this is where Mm -hmm. it is. And and it changes through the seasons. You know, you, mm. Katie, you and Seth are in a very busy season with the ages of your kids, mm. 
And so that special place may be the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down, everyone. The bathroom. <laughs> because it's one of the more there. private places throughout the day, right? Lock the door. Yeah. And, but whatever it is, like create that special God, here I am moment. Or maybe it's, maybe it's vulnerability. Like, okay, God, I, I've got the time, but I'm not really being all that mm, honest with that's you. That's good. And so, so what, what aspect of those three things are, be, are missing to cultivate that nearness and depth of relationship with God? Mm. I just want to say, too, I wasn't trying to object about intimacy to you as much as I think culturally intimacy gets, you know, mm -hmm. if it's male or female, but biblically everyone's created for intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, and mm. I think, and sometimes as, as this is a stereotype, because it can be true for females too, but sometimes you know, I think, oh, intimacy, or you're talking about that, that's, you know, uh, ah, sure. I'm not going to, that's know. not for me, or right. that's, for, I don't have that personality, mm -hmm. or whatever. And actually, mm -hmm. my personality is kind of a, I'm a three on the Enneagram, so I love to do things, produce things, achieve things, be getting some movement. So for me, it's really mm -hmm. important practically to mm -hmm. actually stop and have a chair, yeah. <laughs> if you will, where I'm not doing anything and I'm not mm -hmm. measuring anything. It's just mm -hmm. being, which is important for all of us, no matter what our personalities are like, because mm -hmm. um, our culture is pushing in a different direction as well, that, mm -hmm. our, that our value is attached to our productivity. Mm -hmm. And so to be with God yep is an important practice of resistance against a cultural norm because God says we are valuable regardless of what we produce or achieve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wonder about the Psalms for mm. you and the ways in which that features in your prayer or if there's a specific Psalm or a few. Oh, man. I, as I've gotten older, I've come to love the Psalms. Mm. Um, I think when I was younger, I... I mean, maybe I just, you know, the Psalms are poetry, so sometimes I remember reading poetry in high school, and I'm like, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, like, I can just say it straight, you know. Mm -hmm. But as I've, one, maybe grown in understanding and being able to read poetry better, but also to understand that the Psalms are the Scripture's prayer book, mm -hmm. and so they're not to be analyzed so much as much as we're supposed to enter them and experience the mm -hmm. Psalms, like read them emotionally. Mm -hmm. And and so it's helpful to know maybe what David was experiencing or who was writing them in the context, but mm -hmm. but I found the ability to engage um, is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And it, and they help create and give shape to my prayers. Mm -hmm. You know, when Jesus is asked, uh, teach us to pray by his disciples, uh, he, he didn't respond to them as saying, like, oh, well, just pray whatever's in your heart and be passionate. Right. Which, which, was, which is not how I grew up. I grew up in a, in a, in a church setting that was yep. more like spontaneity is more holy mm -hmm. than praying a liturgical or a pre-written prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think there's place for both. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've come to love the, the pre-writtenness of the Psalms that give shape and language to my prayers. And, and sometimes they're just permission. Uh, I, I don't remember if I shared this in a past sermon recently or when, but if, if so, it's worth repeating. The, but I, I was experiencing somebody saying some things about me that weren't true. 
And I was reading a psalm for the day, and it was about David talking about somebody that was saying something about him that was not true. And he, in the message version of the, of the scriptures, it says, slice off their lips and rip out their tongues. And I'm like, God, I'm praying that. That is my prayer. I mean, I'm like, gets me, gives me permission to, to, to pray my rage and my disappointment and my anger. Yeah. Now, does that mean that I really want their lips sliced off and their tongues ripped out? David prays in another psalm, throw their babies against the rocks. I mean, those things can, that, that, I mean, if we think about it, that is disturbing. Yes. But, but it isn't that that's exactly, I really don't want their, because it's not the way of Jesus to want their lips sliced off. Mm. But I have found, so the way of Jesus would be to love my enemies, to pray for those who persecute mm -hmm. me. And I find that it's helpful to get the slice their lips off, rip their tongues out mm. prayers before God to get to the place mm. of being able to engage in the way of Jesus rather mm -hmm. than pretending. Mm -hmm. Like, I know this is the right thing to say. I know this is the right thing to pray. Yeah. But instead, just like, bah, here's the rawness yes. of my heart yeah. because I want to get to the reality of the way of Jesus. And you can't go around it. You have uh, I, to go through it. Or over it. <laughs> yeah, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> or under it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Are there specific psalms that stick out for you? Yeah. There's many, I think, uh, the first one that comes to my mind, which is probably the one I've prayed the most, is Psalm 23. And maybe for some of you, you know, if you grew up around church, you might have heard Psalm 23 a lot. It's kind of maybe the most famous psalm. And we think of it sometimes almost as a, a children's prayer or a children's psalm. But, but about 11, right when we planted this church uh, 11, 12 years ago, I started to experience some significant anxiety. And it was a very dark place. It was a place of torment for me. And I found myself um, having a hard time sleeping. And, and, and I... And so I started not just reciting, but praying Psalm 23. And, and, and it starts off by saying, you are my shepherd, which means like I, I need somebody to take care of me. So admitting my need and my weakness in that moment, I lack nothing. I felt like I lacked everything in the moment and I, and I, I certainly lacked peace, but because you are my shepherd, I don't lack. Not because I have it or I can manhandle this, but because you are my shepherd. And as I would pray through each stanza, and, and you know, it says, and even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is exactly where I felt like I was, I will not fear, though I was afraid. Yeah. You comfort me, which I was regularly not, I felt tormented, not comforted. Mm. But you are you're there, you comfort me. And then it says, you, pre you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I felt like my enemies were fear and anxiety and worry and, and all these things. But God, it says that Jesus is hosting me with a table of abundance. Like cup overflows and you anoint my head with oil, meaning you, like, you empower and equip me for the day ahead, for the dark valley, not just in the, in the triumphs and the successes of life. So, so Psalm 23 isn't just a, let's just pray this because this is a nice psalm. Mm -hmm. For me, it like brings me back to 11 years ago mm -hmm. and the sleepless nights for nights on end. Mm -hmm. 
in the ways that God brought me through. I, even when you, I walk through the valley, mm. He does bring us through. And so if I find myself in another dark place or I found myself in another trying time, I, mm. I, I, I pray Psalm 23 and, and it isn't just a, okay, this is, the, this is the magic psalm for this dark moment. It actually brings me back to Psalm 23 in 2012. And the reminder that he did bring me through, even when it didn't feel like there was another side to it. And so now I can pray in this dark valley, remembering that dark valley, and just trusting my shepherd even more. Yeah, beautiful. How about you? I, I said to Aaron, I feel like the Psalms, I open the Psalms and it feels like an old friend. You know, I can think of times when I was younger and afraid at night, you know, as a young, as a child, young person. And I would, I would recite Psalm 4, verse 4, that you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety and I will sleep in peace. I remember as a high schooler, you know, trying to make decisions about my future and thinking about Psalm 27. I wanted to go to Bible college and I had some, <laughs> my parents were like, wait, what? You, I was at CU in Boulder studying. Um, hey, don't shout me down. CU, there Jesus. Uh, and I felt like Jesus called me into Bible college and I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to ruin my life. And my parents thought the same thing. I remember going to the Psalms and reading, even if your mother and father were to abandon you, the Lord will hold you close. Um, and I remember reading in Psalm, going through a time like an identity, a place of healing from past wounds. I didn't even know we're there when I was in my 20s. And going to Psalm 84, that the place of weeping and will become pools of blessing. Um, Psalm 92, that the... You know, even in my age, I will flourish. That says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Even in old age, they'll bear fruit. And I mean, I could go. There's just places and yeah. times where Jesus met me in the Psalms. I love the way that the Psalms become part of like, like they attach us to memories. I love how you described it as, a old, as old friends. Mm -hmm. Jesus prayed the Psalms regularly. He prayed the Psalm, Psalm 22 on the cross. And I don't think he was like, I'm in agony. Which agonies, agony Psalm should yeah. I pray right now? Like it was just in him and it came out of him. So I just can't encourage you enough. Actually, our weekly practice is to determine a time and a place to spend time with God. So, so it's not just for this week, but really the goal is habit, ritual, rhythm. When is it? Where is it? But specifically this week, and hopefully this also becomes a habit, is to pray a psalm. And if you don't know what psalm, just... Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Hmm? Psalm 46 is the weekly practice. Go through Psalm 46. Girls. <laughs> can pray that. And, and like, just start to get it in. And I've gone through the psalms multiple times. And, and sometimes, and I'll date them sometimes. And I'll come back to them. And, oh, yeah, I remember when I was praying that. And I remember why I was praying that. Mm. And it's not the same. But then I put a, a date on a different mm -hmm. scripture for a different thing going on in the moment. And, and so my psal the Psalms in my Bible are filled with dates. Mm. And 
And so what if we cultivate that, that practice? Great. As we close, um, I just have a sense that there's, there's some people in the room here today. I think everybody's, I would, I would guess that most of us in here are in a place of rest. I think the Psalms communicate and show wrestling, like David's wrestling. Oh, God, cut their lips off. And God, I trust you. And mm-hmm. I praise you. And where are you? Mm-hmm. And how long? And I wonder if there's anybody in this room that might be in like a place of anxiousness or a dark night of the soul and wondering, is this dark valley, is there, is there a place where there's some light? Is Am I going to come out on the other side? And I just sense that God, God wants to meet you in the place where you think He's not. Great. Like, like we think God's on the other side, He's in the light. But God actually is right there in the valley. And it wants to just invite you. To invite you to meet him in the place. In the hardest of places, maybe the darkest of places, maybe the the most anxious of places. Now when I look back, I I met Jesus in, at three o'clock in the morning so many times. And he's he's wanting to meet you there walk with you through which is going to take an element of surrender and I wonder if we can't all together today come to a place of surrender with Jesus maybe for some of you in the room it's a first time to surrender to God for some of you maybe it's uh, you've been you're in church for the first time or the first time in a long time and and you're like I, I need to come home I need to you sense the Spirit of God inviting you. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and in church every week, but I think our walk with Jesus is a continual walk of surrender. So I wonder if all of us in this room can't just surrender anew or for the first time. If, if you're at that place where you say, you know what, I, I want to put my trust in Jesus. So Katie, would you just pray maybe for surrender? lead us in a in in a prayer of surrender as we as we close yeah before i do that i had this picture when we were you can it's okay you can look at me for just a second but i um had this picture uh, when we were singing it is well with my soul of of you whoever you are and you were wanting to sing the words and i think you were singing the words but but it isn't true It's not true yet that it's well with your soul. So you're singing these words and and you're wanting and you're doing your best to kind of really, okay, God, it's well with my soul, but it isn't. And you know why. It's It's the fractures in, maybe it's the relationship, it's the, it's the loss, it is the maybe it's the sense that God isn't even seeing you anymore. And I would love to pray for you, but I wonder if I kind of like the way that those friends of the paralytic like took him to Jesus. I I wonder if you would be willing, I, I feel like there's breakthrough here for you. If you would be willing to just say, 
I am singing it's well with my soul, but it is not well with my soul. And I, if you'd be willing, and some, we could just pray for you. Sometimes it takes some people around to like help you in the places in the wrestle where you feel like I can't get through on my own. So I wonder if in humility and courage, you'd be willing to just say, I, I'm seeing it's well with my soul. It's not well with my soul. And just say, that's you. And we would pray for you. And people around you would pray for you. Is that, who is that? Seeing it, thank you, great. Seeing it's well with my soul, awesome. Do you mind if we just stand? Can everybody go ahead and stand? We're gonna stand in the close of the gathering anyway, so we'll save Michelle the words. And if, if you would just put your hand up in humility and courage, there is breakthrough here for you today. So go ahead and just put it right up, and can we just as the body come right around those people and just and be the person who carried the people to Jesus? Get out of your seat. Move a little. It's okay. We're going to move soon anyway. So just move and get around these people. Can we surround them? It might take a bit of courage on your part because you're like, I don't know. I don't really want to pray for people, but you're created to pray and created to pray for others. So can we just put our hands on or put them out towards others and really pray? And I'd love to pray for us as we go. I'm gonna give you a minute and if you could pray for the people you have your hands on and then I'll pray for us corporately. Go ahead. Jesus. Jesus. to shout to you you're closer than our very breath and here you are with our brothers and sisters here we stand together today we know that your word doesn't return void but you accomplish everything for which your word was sent and so we pray word of heaven Jesus Christ will you go into the places of the deepest darkest Will you go and respond to that humility? You said you give grace to the humble. We need extra grace today for our brother who's standing here weary and feels like he can't go on anymore, for our sister who's standing brokenhearted. You've said that you're close to the brokenhearted. So Father, we thank you that you are our light and you are our salvation. And when it's dark, there you are, where there's light. So we pray and speak light and life into these situations of brokenness. We say darkness or darkest thoughts, even loss of life or suicidal thoughts. We say no in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus, that this person has purpose and that you are holding them. This place is not a cell. It is the shadow of the Lord Almighty. So we pray and speak healing into the places that need it most and trust you as the healer that you're holding them close. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I wonder if, did you want to pray for everyone to surrender to? If everybody would just open your hands yeah. like this, it's going to be a really short prayer. Because prayers don't need to be long. Yeah. They don't need to be fancy words. Yeah. If you don't use fancy words in normal life, you don't need to use fancy words with God. Yeah. Sometimes it can be just a simple prayer. It can be as simple as help. 
It's an amazing prayer. Yeah. God, we surrender. And if we don't know how, we ask that you'd help us. If we don't, we want to, but we don't want to. (laughs) We know we should, but we don't want to. God, help us to want to. Wherever we find ourselves, we want to surrender. Some in this room for the first time, some for the hundredth time, the millionth time. But God, we just surrender our lives to you. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.